Radio Newark, the home of Radio Newark Sport. Weeknights from 7. Radio Newark Sport. Brought to you with Smith's Timber Merchants. For all your fencing, decking and DIY needs on Appleton Gate, Newark. Visit smithstimber.co.uk. Tonight, it's the second of our Meet the Chairman evenings. And in the hot seat tonight, we have the boss of Newark Town FC, Chris Wade. And he's brought his trusty number two with him, who also happens to be a sports show favourite. Ah, Sarah's back. Welcome to the renowned Radio Newark Sport. But first, as ever, a few headlines. And Cole Greaves tells us that Fonz Alexander is a credit to British boxing. 100 professional fights is a massive achievement and he reached that milestone at the Doncaster Dome last weekend when he lost by one point but had his opponent down in the third round with a cracking right hand. Finley Cranish finished fifth, third and third again in the qualifying rounds at the Reekin BMX meeting to put him in the semi-finals where he got a creditable seventh missing out on the A-final but qualifying for the B-final and a fifth place finish. And remember, he's a national competitions. New York Tennis Club's mixed team beat Magdala at the weekend to ensure promotion from Division 7 of the Knots Tennis League. And in cycling news at Mallory Park, Jet Top finished second in the under-10 boys, Lottie Lisherman won the under-10 girls and Finley Bass the under-14 boys, while Isabel Darvell rode what she calls a satisfying race in round one of the women's team series at Reddish last Thursday evening, finishing 28th against all the UK top riders. And in the last week, she's been to Motherwell, Glasgow, and by this weekend, in Durham. Away from Newark, and Chris Wilder has beat Pep to the LMA Manager of the Year award after leading Sheffield United to Premiership promotion. The 51-year-old has achieved two promotions in three years since joining in his boyhood club in 2016. Aston Villa took a step close to the Premier League return after a penalty shootout victory over West Brom. Tonight, it's Dirty Leeds and the Sheep. I wonder if they can both lose. England captain Ewan Morgan has been suspended for the next one-day international and fined 40% of his match fee for a slow overrate. During the six-wicket win against Pakistan on Tuesday, it's Morgan's second such offence within 12 months after England were guilty of the same offence in the West Indies. And the Scottish FA are poised to choose a new manager within the next 48 hours. With three candidates in the frame. Stop laughing, Mr Smith. Kilmarnock, Steve Clark, and Scotland's under-21 boss Scott Gemmell are joined by Aberdeen's Derek McInnes on the FA's shortlist. <laughs> I knew you'd want to make a comment on that. <laughs> no, I, I just really disappointed that Alex McLeish is not featured again because uh, that's normally the way the SFA operate. I'm not biased, but I think it should go to Scott Gamble. He's by far and away the best. I'm hoping it's Steve Clark and his dad scored Scotland's last goal, didn't he? No, um, actually, the um, Steve Clark is the bookie's favourite. So, um, I didn't. Mm, I can understand that. Book is very rarely got it wrong. Derek McInnes has already turned it down according to the Aberdeen board. This is why it's still in the frame. And um, even in Scotland, they've got certain standards rather than <laughs> employ former Forest people. Um, By the way, I should really explain what the playoffs is all about to Forest fans if there's any listening. 
You're not going to put the fader down then? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait for your explanation to why teams that finish out the top two still stand well, a chance I, of getting promotion. I, I just, and more to the point, win a cup. I just cannot understand how they've made manager of the year already. Well, that was the next question. How can? I haven't finished. It's going it, to... Otherwise, it would have been won by some bloke in a bucket. How can somebody who finished second in the championship... Mm. be the LMA manager of the year. I mean, I, yes, I understand. I do understand why it's not Pep or, or Klopp, because they just throw money at it. So, maybe there's a point. Me? Mm. I'm not unbiased. I would have gone Rafa, Warnock. Warnock, yeah. And good luck to him. In fact, what we'll do is we'll bring somebody in who's actually seen... No, just, you can't. Can I just say, regarding last night, when we were talking about Robert Wildman and the fact that he sits on the fence, there's probably Bielsa was looking through it at the time. I'm just going to bring in um, our esteemed guest tonight, um, the chairman of New York Town Football Club, but somebody does actually go and watch championship football on a very, very regular basis, um, Chris Wade. Chris, it is... Um, Chris Wilder, the best manager in professional football, then? I guess most people voted for him because of the resources he's got. And the fact, he's, like you said, he's got two promotions in the last three seasons. But I don't think that makes him the best manager in the whole 92 clubs, no. Because that's basically what they've given him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for entertainment and other things, I would have thought Norwich City fans would have a <laughs> good shout for... Because their resources are not exactly right, no. large. Yeah, I, um, I, I take it um, you'd be quite happy to see Aston Villa go up to the Premier Division, um, the three teams that's actually left in it, because I can't see a Forest fan would want dirty well, it's, leads it's in it, and best. certainly not the other lot. It's the uh, least objectable, <laughs> objectable of the three. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's the answer I was expecting. Yeah. I, when I put together this... Um, what I call Chairman's Week, when we sort of ask the questions that we don't want to ask of the managers. Um, I always think it's best if we have, invite two guests into the studio because Chris has got an overview of the whole New York Town Football Club. And it stops us fighting. It does. And Sarah <laughs> has got um, a very big input, very large input into the youth and the ladies section. And I put a lot of hard work into arranging this. Uh, and the, the, the messages went something like this from Sarah. Now then, Mr B, we still up for a stint on Wednesday. What do I need to be prepared for? Chris <laughs> is coming in too. Round up of the season, perhaps. OK, that's fair comment. Yes, Wednesday, please. Looking back and looking forward. Lots of difficult questions to come. Answer. Oh, crap. <laughs> I'll leave those to Chris and giggle in the right places. <laughs> Welcome to the Sarah Robinson Show. <laughs> Unbelievable. And that's why we love her. <laughs> that's why we love her. Um, Chris, I want to um, talk first um, about last season and um, we're going to talk about the whole club but i want to concentrate on the new town first team because we said with the rugby club last night it's a fantastic club and the junior section at new rugby club <coughs> is second to none in rugby whereas in new town it can said be the, you know the same can be said but everybody looks at the first team first that's the pinnacle of what you're doing um christmas time tony and i was mulling over the fact that you may not even see the season out mm -hmm. um you took a 
hard decision um, and have started to rebuild in a, a different direction to where it was at the time. So how would you look back at the last season for Newark Town? Yes, it was, a, it was a difficult year, a challenging year, I think it's putting it politely. Um, Dewey started the season, he was sticking with the players that he'd known under 18s and, and younger and was giving them a, a good chance in the first team. Sadly, um, up against some strong teams in the Central Midlands North, uh, they were just not good enough. I mean, there are some well-established teams that have played at high level, dropped down, Retford United, Clay Cross, they've got money, they've got experienced players and we we, we were we just came up short and I think it's uh, easy to see from the results that uh, um, we, we needed to do something we needed to change something we gave everybody a fair crack at it but as you just said around Christmas time it was almost in danger of completely collapsing so we, we had to do something and uh, we had to make a tough decision for many years, Newark, of course, have struggled to maintain two football teams in, in the FA pyramid system. The last two years, Flowserve have been in the ascendancy, um, while, as you just said, last season was a very, very difficult season. Next season, though, may well be different, and you're hoping to make big big changes as a new manager, and then he, he, he's got a network of of con- contacts, yeah. and, and, and that's where we go, and that's where we're going. Um I thought with Dewey, it was probably the wrong league for him. Maybe if it was a not senior league, there would have been an element of success. But the one thing you can say about the Central Midlands, I think it's probably the toughest Step 7 league in the country. Yeah, I mean, it's got it's got high standards, for one thing, and it's got good teams. And as I say, some teams that have dropped down from higher level. So it's not just start-up teams, it's some teams that have fallen down the pyramid so yeah it's it is a strong strong lead that the problem we find is a lot of traveling it covers a big distance um but yeah it, it is a competitive league and you we do would we'll do well to get out of it was there a time when either you discussed um pulling the first team and just running it as a junior club or is is the first team to newark town an absolute nailed on yeah yes it's it's the flagship it's what the junior team is aspiring to be part of it's we're trying to create a pathway not just for players and that's perhaps a mistake we made a couple of years ago we kept worrying about players moving up we want players and the manager to move with them as as it's been well documented everybody knows 16 under 16s under 17s under 18s is a challenging period you're finishing school, you're starting work, you've got lots of other distractions. How do you keep that link going? How do you make that jump from junior football to adult football? Well, we want to have this pathway. We want the expectation to be clear. When you sign under as a seven-year-old in your first year, this is what we want you to do. We want to grow with the club, move all the way up, and then become part of the under-19s, under-21s, reserves, first team. But that really only works if you've got a manager that will go with it and help you make that jump at the at the last level which Dewey did Stuart Miller has done something similar we hope shortly Craig Mountney then Paul Dobb will also whereas in the past a, a dad it's always been a dad isn't it it's always a dad that is the manager typically gets to under 18 son leaves home goes to university and he thinks right I've done my 10 years thanks very much well 
that's where it all falls apart. So we're trying to make sure we've got the pathway, not just for the players, but for the manager as well. I mean, that that is perfectly true and absolutely true. You follow your son right through until he stops playing football for whatever reason and then you drift away and there's the people who run the club trying the best to find somebody else to take over or you actually lose. Um, you lose a team. Yeah. Um, so to finish where you did in the division at the end of the day, um, tell us about what led to Damo Parkinson um, coming in and how you approached Damo and uh, well, we, we, what, what, what are you expecting from him? Well, um, for once we had uh, a proper interview process. Normally it's been a short list of one, but this time we advertised and we had a, a proper interview process and set our expectations and could listen to the candidates' expectations. And what Damo was telling us made a lot of sense. He's well-connected, as you said. He, he works in football. He's known across Newark. As far as I'm aware, he's not fallen out with any club. He's well-respected at all clubs. The blue one, the orange one, the green one, whatever colour it is. And he's well-connected and made all the right <laughs> comments about keeping the juniors engaged in this pathway, give them a chance, bring them through. I think when we appointed him, if he'd won every game, he could have come eighth. He ended up coming ninth, so can't ask too much more than that. Um, he kept a stable team. Brought some people in that he knew. Uh, got some Newark Town faces back into the squad, which was important. And got a settled team by the end of the season. Playing well and winning winning matches. And we'll we'll talk about points. what is going to be a very busy <coughs> summer yep. for him um, in our next little first team chat. But like last night in the rugby club, um, the youth section... It is very, very important to to Newark Town, and I would suggest that that's what it's it's built around. Quite frankly, um, I know the first team is is the pinnacle, but if you look at Newark Town, you look at its youth section first, and then probably think of the first team second. That's probably not how it should be, but that is how it is. Um, stupid questions there. Just how important to you, as on the board of Newark Town, is maintaining that youth section? Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually vital. Um, and the word that um, Chris has used and, and which we are using a lot now is, is the pathway. So, I mean, our junior side is growing literally week by week. Um, I mean, we are looking at about 300 kids currently signed on um, into the club. And that is a, a mix of, of girls and boys. As you know, we'll talk a bit more about the girls a bit later on. But it, it, is, it is vital because that is the survival of the club ultimately. Um, and I think these kids, are, as young as four and five, if they can aspire to be in the first team, if that's what they want to do, then we need to lead the way and have that pathway for them. So it's it's crucial, really, that we we capture, you know, youngsters regularly, and we have a platform for them to enjoy the game, and then ultimately they literally just grow through the ranks to hopefully, you know, being being in that first team. How difficult has the last two or three years been with the demise of the new New York Youth League and you've got to look at your junior teams playing further away from Newark? Has that created problems? I don't think it has really. I mean, it's obviously a consideration for parents that they've got to get kids, you know, out of Newark and logistics and all of that kind of thing. Um 
but I think we've embraced it fairly well. You know, we, we, we are prepared to travel. Um, and, you know, you could argue that sometimes the further afield you go, you can be a bit more competitive. But no, I think... I think actually it's it's not a problem. You know, if the kids want to play and the parents are prepared to support that, then you know we'll go where the game is. I've been tracing the under 18s because we've found and, and Long Bennington in, in in that division. We've been looking at them almost every week, and they're playing good teams, and that's got to improve them as players, Chris. Yeah, I mean, there's still the Newark section within the Young Elizabethan League, um, and at under sevens and under eights, it's just about playing football starting to create that love affair with the game once you start even at under nines under tens i think you need to start having competitive meaningful games i'm the manager of the under tens team we jumped to the main young elizabethan league yes we have to travel to west bridgeford and maybe even a little bit further but we've always we're trying to put forward the argument that it's better to travel half an hour 40 minutes and have a competitive meaningful game than stay in Newark and either win or lose 15-0. That's a pointless waste of a Saturday morning. Let's go to West Bridgeford, Loud and Bingham and have a good 3-3 draw and then we've all learnt something from it. Where, where are I, I know where Tony's going to come from in a minute, I've got no doubt, but where are you both on a competitive game for a, a 10-year-old? Because my, my grandchildren play rugby and you ask them what scores and they haven't got a clue because hmm. it's nobody knows mm. how many tries have been yeah. scored because in rugby it's all about improving yourself as a player and the result is is secondary in football junior football I, I don't know if it's changed but it certainly used to be the result was a be all and end all of it and it's probably not about improving it, your football changing. i hope it's yeah. changed a little mm-hmm. bit it, at it's, least it's changing changing i suppose it's not until you get a generation moving through because most of the managers at the junior level will always say the result doesn't matter. The only result in the club that matters is the first team. Result on a Saturday. That's that's where the result matters. So if it matters. doesn't matter, why have league tables? Well, I, I think it only really kicks in at under 13s and right. upwards. Yeah. Um, below that, it's about having a meaningful game. And you can have a meaningful game and still lose. Mm. You can have a meaningful game... And have a, a damn good 3-3 draw, as you I tend say. To, you tend to learn more out of a game that you've lost than yeah. one that you've won. There's certainly more um, learning points at the end of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. But, yeah, from 13 onwards... Then yeah, it should be competitive. Then it should be competitive yeah. and meaningful because you're getting ready for when you do step into adult football when it when it does matter. I want to come back to you both um, after we've been with um, Not Fast Dave and talk a bit more about the, the junior football because, again, it's how parents behave to put it bluntly mm. our parents behave on the sidelines <laughs> because it, football's had a terrible reputation mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to tell me that that's getting better then I want to talk about um, what we expect from the first team mm. this season then Tony's going to give me his sports thoughts on Newark Town as well but next up it's Not Fast Dave Wednesday night of course we um, have our Not Fast catch up with um, Dave and um, it's no different tonight of course and Dave's on the phone to tell us what uh, the Yellow Army got up to over the weekend. Dave, take it away. Hello, Mick. Thank you very much indeed. Um, yeah, so we have quite a uh, quite a few different events over the weekend. Start with Parkrun. Had 45 of our club members over four different Parkruns. Uh, personal bests, quite a few. Uh, Tracy Thompson, Peter Brown, Laura Smith, Amy Parks, and Dale Mordew and Janet Davis. 
Now, Simon Locke also got a new personal best on it, on his 100th part run. So, well done, Simon. Um, on Friday, Kim Etherington Bates ran the Leicester Sunrise 5K. And that was Friday morning, obviously, with a sunrise. Um, 24 minutes, 5 seconds, that was. Uh, and then moving on to Sunday, quite a few events. Uh, Simon Locke was at the Holly Moorside 10K, completed that in 47 minutes, 49 Nicky Dales took on the white and dark events. It's a 16-mile race in Ashbourne, uh, and that was completed in three hours and five minutes. We had two members at the Leeds Half Marathon. Suzanne Catley completed in two hours, 21, and Gemma Lindsay in two hours, 25, 41. Um, also on Sunday, Kim Etherington Bates was at the Hanwell Wine Estate for their charity five-kilometer. Uh, she came in second overall and the first lady back in 28 minutes and 16 seconds out with a wine stop. Um, Breeze Rollins did some fantastic running. Uh, she did her first ultra marathon. That was a Dukeries 30 mile. Uh, quite local race. Uh, completed that in 6 hours, 4 minutes and 56 seconds. Long distance walking. Stuart Ashley took part in the Meridian Meander. Now that's crossing the Greenwich Meridian line, hence the name. That was 27 miles. He did that in 7 hours 53. And then we had 27 club members just down the road in Austin for the Austin Spring Dash, which I mentioned last week. A really, really good little run. Um, I'm not going to go through all 27 uh, results, but some standouts. Jim Lovett got a course PB, as did Peter Brown. And Faye Patton got a new PB at 1 hour 229. So a really good turnout for um, Austin. I think it was uh, the, the village turned yellow with um, with not fast mix. Sorry, Dave. Was um, trying to get one of the faders to work properly. <laughs> um, all all you guys and girls though at Austin. Anybody that come less than twenty seventh, you got beat by a lady that's thirty weeks pregnant. Yeah, we don't we we don't mention that. <laughs> We don't mention that. She's she's doing really fantastically at the moment. And, uh, it's absolutely amazing, isn't it? Hopefully the, the little one will follow in instead. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. But um, the Austin Spring Dash is one of the ones I really do... You know, it's one of the events I like. It's not a massive event, and it's out in the countryside, and, and it just seems to attract a wonderful clientele. It's a, it's a really good race. I ran it last year. I was hoping to do it this year, but I've, I've got a bit of an injury. So, um, And the cake they put on is always a blessing. <laughs> always a blessing, Nick. Good old not fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the cake, it, it, it's the cake that um, that really matters. But um, your full report is on our social media pages. Anybody needs to have read some photos there as well from another, another busy week. I was coming through Claypole at lunchtime and I past um, Ernie Clark and his car full of people on the way back from Austin laughing and joking. And that, that Dave, is what it's all about, isn't it? The laughing it is, and joking. Yeah. It's not It's not necessarily all about the running. I know um, a lot of people do take the running very seriously, but it's more of a social thing. Um, you know, with, with Not Fast a Club, you know, it's not just people going to run. It, it's a social aspect. I'm not the most social person in the world. I'm... Quite a not very people person, but it's good. It, it, it does push you to to communicate and uh, get along with people. So yeah, I would recommend to anyone who's even thinking about starting one, just come along to one of the club sessions. You're more than welcome. And of course, it helps if you like wine and cake. Indeed.
Indeed it does. <laughs> Dave, thanks so much. We'll catch up with you again next week. Lovely, brilliant. Thanks, mate. Thanks, bye. Um, we're talking New York Town tonight. We've got Chris and we've got Sarah in the studio. But next up, um, Sports Thoughts on a Wednesday. Um, Mr Smith and is New York Town. Yeah, I mean, I started at the Advertiser 35 years ago and um, people always said to me, how come Newark haven't got a football team? You know, why not Newark? And uh, myself, uh, Dave Duddles, Paul Bagley and uh, Steve uh, Postlethwaite, bless him, uh, no longer with us anymore, but the four of us used to meet upstairs in the um, upper rooms of the uh, Old King's Arms and we est- re-established Newark Town uh, that had gone bust financially uh, many, many years previously and we re-established them as an under-16 football team and I can still remember the first game for Newark Town uh, when we all arrived on the coach at um, Colic Racecourse and uh, Paul Bagley stood up at the front of the bus before the lads got off and got changed for the first league game and uh, he held up a photo that was taken outside Magnus School of the 19 or whatever Newark Town team that won the County Cup or something and he just pointed to the photo and he said this is who you are playing for and it was it was really sort mm. of a, a wonderful thing that we did <laughs> and now all these years on I'm just so delighted that Newark Town is up and running. But as Mick alluded to earlier on, you know, we were saying when 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 Dewey took over, you're thinking, well, they'll do well to fulfil the fixtures here, and it'd be a crying shame. I mean, if it was a football team in my town, I would just think, yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, it happens. But I had a vested interest right from the start, mm. and then to, you know, it was a real heartbreak to think that, and Dewey's a mate as well. And it's a real heartbreak to sort of think that, you know, it would possibly go under. And I don't know, um, you know, I mean, Dewey took it as far as, as, as he could. And, um, you know, obviously, as, as, as Chris has said, you can't... And I'm not doing an Alan Hansen here, you'll never win anything with kids. But, I mean, you, you're not, you're not going to win anything with kids in the Central Midlands League, certainly. And... Um, I, I don't know who the other people were when um, the interviews were done, but Damo Parkinson must have... It's not just his red hair. He must have shone out like a beacon. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, is, it, it was... It, I've known Damo many years, great friend of mine, and I would, you know, very, very happily sort of, you know, be, be along him in the sort of trenches, you know, and he's just, just a very, very good man, and he's done a fantastic job. I do happen to think, though, that if Dewey didn't stop in, uh, stepping when he did, oh, yeah. there wouldn't be a team now. Mm. Um, you know, I, I gr- great admiration for somebody being either brave enough or daft enough, whichever one it was, to actually actually do that and see it through that Absolutely. period. And it did come too early. When he, when he first moved up from the, uh, the under-18s team, the idea was to be the under-19s or the under-21s yeah. manager. And then as events unfolded, he was thrown in... And I, I, way too early. I, I've known him for years, okay. and, I've no, and I've known how he manages. And it, it, that age group is mm. perfect. Mm. It's absolutely perfect. But again, you know, it, it was needs must, and he had to do it. We've moved on. Um, next season, um, Damo has told us on this show that he wants to be challenging. Yep. Now, if Damo is going to be challenging, you've got 
a new ground of which um to my knowledge the central midlands have not put a big tick against yet um the central midlands i have to say have probably higher standards in the premier league um but chris can tell you what's needed and what and what is is going to be after lots of new challenges um for the new manager and i would suggest if he wants to be as successful as he's telling us he 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 wants to be he's probably got to look out of newark for players as well so the next question is going to be finance so let's get all the the bad questions out the way first chris and start with the new ground yep lovely facilities there we've been training there since october whole of the junior section and the first team and the seniors and the ladies have all been training there absolutely fantastic facilities surface is wonderful to i would agree on. totally with you it, it's a fantastic and, service and it's being maintained there's yes. plenty of 3g pitches that we visit that have been put down three, four years ago that are now flat, just like playing on a sneaker table. But the YMCA know what they're doing and they're maintaining it nightly, weekly, quarterly, all the th- things they're supposed to do. And the facilities, the pitch itself is spot on, first rate. Really good to train on and we hope. Because we invest quite a lot of money in training there and we've committed to train all year round, not just the winter like we used to do at the Magnus, but we'll be training there all year round which will also give Deben Park a rest so it can recover in the summer. But no, it's fantastic facilities and I hope as a result we'll, we'll really see some improvement in the quality of the... Having worked the with the Central Midlands and being part of the mm. Central Midlands management team, I, I know exactly what they, they are like. Um, is it going to be an impossibility to get the tick so you can play there? Um, or, I mean, to me, it's... It, it is step seven. You've got your changing rooms. Okay, there's a walk, but there's mm. there's there's further walks at, at step six. Yeah, I don't think it's the walk. I think I think the thing we failed on was not having the the second refer- officials changing room that you're now required to have, just in case there's a female official, you need separate changing rooms. So I think that's the, the point we failed on. All those facilities that are there at the minute are temporary buildings that they're renting because, as you know, shortly they'll start building the main facility. So we had a, an understanding that it was pointless them hiring one or two extra changing rooms for four months when we're only going to use it for a couple of months. So let's be pragmatic. We were not in a rush to move. We were going to move mid-season, which is never good. Never good. I mean, you ask any football club, you move to start the season, not midway through. Uh, Collingham were happy for us to carry on, see the season out. And YMCA really didn't want to rent something that was going to be dead money. But it will be there when we need it, start the season in August. So we will have those boxes ticked that that will have the extra changing rooms for the officials, a kitchen, a covered stand, and we'll have a gate and an access point that we'll have by the gate so we can take the money safely in the corner there. So we will be ready, step seven compliant, with a view to step six, um, for next season, Collingham's been wonderful. Yes, landlords fifteen years, and, yeah. and you know they they they've been absolutely fantastic. But to have a Newark Towns first team playing in Newark has got to be the biggest ticket yeah. of the lot. No, I, I wanted to mention a special thanks to Collingham. We did do a little presentation at the end of the season. Gary Johnson made a nice speech on behalf of Newark Town, thanking him for being a great landlord 
um, for 15 seasons. And equally, Adam replied back saying we'd been great tenants. And I think it was mutually beneficial for both. Because I think when we first moved up there, Collingham weren't in great financial position. So we helped them, they helped us. So we had 15 good seasons up there. But it is six, seven miles away. And it does put people off travelling. Now we're back in the town. People can walk there. People can cycle there. And I'm hoping it's a, a real stimulus for next season. Yes, we've got a new manager with high expectations. I've got high expectations. We've all got high expectations of what we can achieve. Being back in the town will be such a big fillip for everybody, I think. Is it a plus that you've not got a level step seven playing field anymore between flow serve and town and dare i suggest at least in the short term you're not competing with new flow serve for players if you mean there's only a set number of steps step seven and step six players available yes I, I, i take your point that if they're now competing at step five there will be some players that played last year that might be available to us but I'll, I'll leave all that to Damo, but I think, <laughs> I think, I see your point. Um, but I mean, on, on, on paper, mm. um, you're not directly competing against each other mm-hmm. in, anymore. No. Um, Flosive have made it very obvious that they are looking for players out of Newark. Um, mm. Okay, they brought the three lads back, the three Newark lads back from Grantham, but I've never really classed them as Newark players for an awful long time. In fact, two of them probably never have played Saturday I mean, Reese was a long time ago. And, and really, really Jamie Brown is the, what I would call the workman-like Newark footballer. Jamie Lloyd. Jamie Lloyd. Yeah. I always say Jamie Brown. And yeah. um, um, Jamie Lloyd. Yeah. Um, and that has got to give um, Damo an opportunity. Yeah. And it would be lovely to say we will only pick Newark Town players. I remember a conversation when I first joined Newark Town about seven years ago with you when you, you had the idea that we should only be picking Newark-based players, we'd never hold... You could uh, perhaps do that if there was one club in Newark. Yeah, yeah, like one rugby club yes. or one cricket yeah. club or whatever, yeah. yeah. But no, we've never imposed that on the manager. Ideally, yes, great, let's have Newark-based players. But um, yeah, I think Damo will have players available to him now that Dewey perhaps didn't have. Mm. And um, yeah... What um, what about the budget? I, we spoke to Newark Rugby Club last night and the chairman sat in exactly the same seat as you and he was absolutely adamant they was a amateur community club and they would never, while he was chairman of the club, pay anybody to play that sport. Mm-hmm. Football, I think, is slightly different because I think... You've mentioned the Retford teams. You've mentioned Clay Cross. There's lots of money gone into there. Yeah. Um, you've got to have at least a transport budget, I think, to attract anybody these days. I could be wrong here, but I thought the, the rugby club was structured that they were not allowed to pay. It depends how you're paying them, doesn't yeah, it? whether it's expenses yeah. or, or whatever. But, no, there there is a budget for travel and expenses for next season. And, and that, has his, his uh, has, again, you know, I mean, Tony keeps calling me a dinosaur. And in the perfect world, amateur players don't get paid. But mm. it, it inter- unfortunately, it's not a perfect world. And if no. you want to progress at all, uh, it's gone that far now that you've got to join the people that that, that actually mm. do it. Because make no bones about it, if, if FlowServe hadn't been lucky enough 
to acquire Gary Clark, yep. they wouldn't be sitting where they are now. It, it, that is as, as simple as that. Yeah, no, money talks in football. Yeah. I mean, you, you hear telephone number salaries at the top level, but all the way through, I mean, we're step seven, which is really step 11, isn't it? That there's money to be made by playing football at the weekends. It, so might, it might only cover a round of drinks, but still. Yes. And that's, it, as we it, say, that's the way of the world. Yeah. What, what, um, what does the chairman want from the first team this coming season? To be challenging at the end of the season to promote, get promoted to step six. And I think if you're challenging in that central midlands division, you have a good team put together. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, we're certainly all looking forward to that. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it, it, will, be, it will be great um, to have Newark Town pushing up to step six level. I think the probably the wisest thing that Damo said upon taking the, the Newark Town job was, we are not in competition with Newark Flow Surf. You know, he, he, he obviously having spent some time as, as the club on, on the coaching side, at the club on the, on the coaching side, he realised that with the financial backing where Newark Flow Surf were going, and he said, you know, we, we are not competing against them, we are a separate entity. And I, I, think, I think that was very wise to say, but it would be wonderful if, come the end of the season, that there is a, a title race in Newark Town involved in it in the Central Midlands. That would be fantastic for the town. It, it most certainly would, and uh, I, I can see it, it, it's the best artificial pitch viewing area I've come across. Yeah, I, I've no. been there and watched a lot of Gary Atwood's team on a Sunday afternoon, and it, it's actually a joy and easy to watch a game of football. I mean, there was a lot of um, anxiety around, are we going to be watching it in a cage? But the YMCA listened to all those concerns and thankfully moved the cage out so that there is room for when we need a stand, when we need more um I think they've got it just right, areas. Chris. I really do. It's all been yeah. built with step five yeah. in mind so we've just got to get step five players on the pitch then the stands will come then the extra toilet blocks will come then the extra um gateways will arrive but it's all been planned with step five in mind so but it's not it's not there now because we don't need it now but the room's been built the plans are in place for when we need it it will be on available to us because they've told us quite categorically if we're challenging the resources won't stop us getting promoted. The players will stop us getting yeah, promoted, yeah. if anything. So no pressure, Damo, no pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, a successful first team helps your cause at the junior level, I would suggest. Absolutely. Um, and, and just talking about um, Damo, he's already been very visible on the junior side. I think our issues in the past have, have also have actually been the senior side the first team and the junior side were very separate and the kids actually couldn't visibly see you know who the first team were and what they were sort of you know involved with and and he is very proactive and for me sort of on the you know marketing and the fundraising the communication side is fantastic because if we can get him in front of these kids then they know who he is. Well, da- Damo's basically an FA man, isn't mm. he? Yeah. Uh, and as much as we've criticised the FA, what, what they've done with St George's Park and said, right, this is our this is the style of football we play from under 13s to the England team, and it's the same style of football. 
has proved it, it works. Now, if that's going to work at Newark Town or not on, on you know, grassroots mm. level, mm -hmm. but the idea, and if Damo is, is there putting his input in and saying, I want players to be brought up to play like this, mm -hmm. that's got to be a plus, hasn't it? Fantastic, a fantastic cementing of, of junior and senior. I mean, it's, it's perfect, really. Um, and we're going to look at him for, for advice, obviously not just on the, the first team, but, you know, for any, any clues he can give us on the, on the junior side. And, I mean, we're going to see our little kids, our littlest of kids, under sevens, under eights, at the YMCA, on match days, as mascots. They're going to see who this guy is and, and, you know, know what they need to do if that's the journey they want to take. So it's fantastic. For the club, it's fantastic. Davon Park is your home. It is. I, I mean, I know we talk about the, the sports. So, Devon mm -hmm. Park is the the traditional mm -hmm. home, mm -hmm. and that's where the youngsters play on a Saturday morning when it's sort of taken over, isn't it? We, we do, I mean, we we totally dominate Devon Park. You're right. Um, on a Saturday morning in season, it's absolutely heaving, and it's wonderful to see. We, we occupy both sides of, of the the green spaces, either side of the Tom Man Pavilion. Um, but not just on a Saturday. On a Sunday as well, it's it's filled with young girls which we need to talk about as well because that's a huge growth area for the, for you, the club. you would never forgive me if i never i would not forgive you <laughs> and neither would those girls and neither would those girls <laughs> <laughs> okay um and we're going to talk about those girls in a few minutes time chris times have changed in the last 20 years um we've spoke about the way that junior football is changing and Newark Town to me have always been at the forefront of all these changes but the biggest change that I see in grassroots sport over the time that over this 20 year period is the is the reintroduction of girls into sport we football didn't want to know them at one stage um nor did rugby and nor did dead, dead cricket but all three of them now thankfully have 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 come to the senses and i do know that newark town have tried and tried again to get a ladies football side sarah is champing at the bit but i'm gonna let the chairman <laughs> have the first i'm gonna let the chairman have the first say on to it <laughs> 20 years ago i would have suggested that ladies females girls was was and was a hindrance to the running of a football club how important are they now as a chairman to a football club they're, they're vital. Well, they're, they're, they're just as important as, as the Saturday... Well, it's not the boys' teams on Saturday because from under-14s and below, they're mixed. We are mixed. There are girls playing on a Saturday in, in what you would perhaps call the, the boys' teams. But, no, it's just as important part of the, the club as any other section. And, and let's not forget, we've also grown with the disability team as well. So I think the club has grown a lot quicker than we ever anticipated in the girls and the disability side of things so it means we have to open up on a Sunday which is not a problem but that's where the, the pitches are available on a Sunday and uh, we've done a well we the whole club Mark Nesbitt has led the way in recruiting two new teams this year at under 10s and under 12s and a ladies team being very competitive in their division plus a development centre that started off as being called the Wildcats. Um, but it's it's gone so quick beyond anybody's ex wildest dreams, to be honest. We put a business plan together when we were going for the Charter Standard Award, 
and we put in three years out there for the ladies and girls and five years for the disability and it's all happened within two so it's it's grown so quick and beyond our uh, reasonable expectations but it's fantastic and it's really good we had presentation nights the last two fridays it's great to see so many girls excited and happy about being part of a football team. Shall so we talk to one of the excited and happy girls then? <laughs> <laughs> Can I speak? Can we stop you? Well, that's all we've got time for. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid it's eight o'clock. Oh dear. Chris, you've overrun. Um, Sarah, I know you're so proud of them um, and knew it should be so proud of what you're trying to achieve for them, but. Uh, the floor's yours thank you dear well i mean chris has obviously said an awful lot and i'm so pleased you've mentioned um coach of the year mark nesbitt because i feel sure he'll be listening i mean the girls really it, you know it, the, the project is is kind of his baby really and we've had some of the girls in in here on the show and they're absolutely wonderful wonderful uh, characters but it is about 18 months ago that that we sort of started this journey and as chris said it's it's absolutely gone crazy we've got 60 70 girls um you know kind of on the books and actually the the team's going forward for next season we've got an under 10s under 11s and under 13s and potentially an under nines team so lots of teams as well as the development center for girls that probably aren't yet ready to be in a team maybe they want to get some more confidence they want to learn the game a little bit more so there is such a lot going on um with that area uh, first of all as we've talked about as well, we've got this ladies um, ladies team. We've got 20, 20 plus ladies. Um, and again, we're all going to be at the YMCA doing the training. And it'll be nice for the girls to finally look at the ladies team and potentially aspire to be where, where they are. So it's uh, it's looking really rosy on, on that side of things. We've and, chuffed a bit. And of course, you've um, you've poached from Bingham another radio new favourite in Eden Tranter. Yes, so she was on. Re- I think she was on recently. We we had Eden, we were having one of our fundraising nights. Do you remember when we spoke on the phone, and and she was there. And uh, yes, indeed, she's she's with the ladies as well. So yeah, no, we've we've got some we've got some really great potential, um, you know, ladies in in the team. And uh, looking forward so much to next season. Eden Tranter, Chris is another one in the Sarah Robinson mould. I can't talk on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> um. Chris mentioned disability. I like to call it less fortunate, but it is disability sport. And um, you've taken on a role with a team there as well, haven't you? Indeed, absolutely. I mean, we want to be, we we want to be inclusive to everybody. Sport is fantastic for for everybody. We've talked about mental health before as well, and it's it's fantastic medicine, isn't it? If you can do a bit of fitness. Um, so, you know, we're totally inclusive. We've got this disability team uh, that's being led by uh, one of our managers, Tom Carpenter. Uh, again, that group of players there, they're training at the YMCA as well. So, you know, nothing is holding anybody back as far as we're concerned. If we can offer people um, who have a disability, whatever that may be, the opportunity to play football, then we're going to give them every chance that we possibly can. How many junior teams have you got in total? You ask me this every single yes. time. <laughs> well, I, I would say... I think and you've still not got the answer, have you? No, I think I always say 15. 15, 16. Uh, OK, boss, is she right? <laughs> 15. <laughs> you with, with potentially four, four joining next year. We all move up a year, nobody drops out, 
We've got four already lined up with managers in place for next season. Of course, the under-19s, and is that, is that floodlit? No, no, we've only we've got to have another... You don't play in any of the... No. So you, you've, you're not at Collingham at all for any matches at any level? No, not next season. Not, no. not, not, not next season, that's... Um, so, really, let's just go back. Newark Town are actually now moving back into the town with the first team, even though the club's always been in the town, but the first team are moving back in town. The thing that we've learned tonight, probably more than anything, is we've been talking about a club rather than a team. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. tomorrow night when we're going to talk to FlowServe, I'll probably get told off for this, but we're probably going to be talking about a team rather than a club. But it's the other way around at Newark Town, and mm. I think that's... That's right, because it is the town team. Well, we, we do keep, the town we, club, we do I should keep say. it as one, one club. We have one website, one Facebook page, one strip that we play throughout the set of teams. We try and do it as one club. Yes, we hard, have, we did even have some commentary about the... But then I'll send them <laughs> yeah. it, It's hard, because there's naturally a junior section and a senior <laughs> section, but you've got you've to keep... Got to keep that link at that critical age, under 16s, 17s, under 18s. But yeah, we operate as one club. Sunday team as well. Let's not forget the Sunday team. That's still part of the senior section, a very important part of the club. So, yeah. how difficult is it to keep all those it's sections? I'll thinking the, that you know, it's a challenge. Yeah, because it's it, it's very easy to throw out. Oh, it's just them and us. We're yeah. only the Sunday and team. And not bothered about us, or we're <laughs> only the girls. He's yeah. not bothered about us. Even within, say, the junior section, it's very easy to one for one team to be a bit rogue or a bit um, sort of off piece sometimes, or even become its own franchise. But no, we pull them back in, and we we do we do it one way, one way, the blue way. We we are a community spirited club. We have an amazing band of volunteers who are managers, coaches, assistants on the fundraising side, the PR side, the communication side. I think we said one interview a few, I don't know, last year or whatever. You know, we're quite a business like um, club. I think we're very very professional. We're very professional, very organised, and we talk to all of our volunteers. We it's important to us that we get feedback every step of the way and i think we do a damn good job but as you say it's hard it's hard work <laughs> it's, it's 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 difficult at any club really to, to all keep flying under the same flag as it were mm. but i think if, uh, if 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 that is your ethos if that is your central aim then that is only to only, only to be commended because um and and I, I only have experience of of of, of my own team at new at flow serve and I, and I do know that we uh, make a massive effort to try and involve the reserve team, to try and involve the Sunday sides, to try and involve the veterans team. Mm-hmm. And and it's, it's it's very very difficult that you know if it comes down to it, and there is a priority to be taken, then obviously it goes with the first team, and that's going to rankle with the other teams. So it's it's very very difficult to try and get everybody feeling part of the it's a balance isn't the main it? cause exactly yeah. yeah yeah but i think there is a, there is now a difference between flowser which has got to put every resource it's got into the, yeah. in, into that team and newark town football club because if you're carrying the town's name mm-hmm. uh, chris said right at the beginning I, I want you to start playing for me at seven years old and in 11 12 years time i want you to be playing in the first team now, that can't happen at other clubs. It can happen at the rugby club, 
and it can happen at Newark Town. At the moment, it can happen at Newark Town. Perhaps if Chris gets his wish and they go from step six to step five, maybe he's going to come back in two or three years' time and have a rethink on that. But at <laughs> yeah. the moment, yeah. that's exactly where you're looking, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's the hope and expectations of us. So we should explain that to the parents and to the new signings or when we do registrations. That's that's the expectations. That's what you can expect from us. And that's what we'd like to expect from you. Exactly. So that's two down on our um, Meet the Chairman. Uh, We met the rugby club last night and I've had some feedback from that one already and I'm in trouble for some of the things I've said. And Chris has answered the questions that we've asked him tonight and he's answered them very clearly to where he wants Newark Town to go. And Sarah's giggled away through the last hour. In the right places. (laughs) In the right places. Um, I'm not giggling anymore. Tomorrow night... Um, tomorrow night, Gary Clark joins us uh, from Newark Flow Serve and he's bringing along Tom Potts, the Newark Flow Serve captain as well. And there's lots of questions that uh, we need to be asking that gentleman as well, different questions to what we've asked tonight. And uh, we did finalise it last night as well that next Wednesday night, Collingham are coming in. Uh, the Collingham chairman's coming in because, uh, again, a fantastic club at Collingham, fantastic junior section, fantastic mm-hmm. senior section, with one major holding back. That pitch ain't long enough. So he's got questions to answer as well. So Gary Clark tomorrow night, but Sarah and Chris, thank you for your time tonight. We really enjoyed it. Uh, we'll catch thank up you. with Damo yeah. as the season starts. And I've got absolutely no doubt we'll be talking to both of you two as the season gets um, gets underway. Um, of course, we did say, didn't we, last night that we we're building up to a, a Rob Orgill visit. So a oh, little... No. Yes, I've got another one. <laughs> Yes, I went to the zoo at the weekend, Tony. And uh, walking around, I, I saw a baguette in a cage. Apparently, it was bred in captivity. Good night. We're-